Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. In many ways, this week, I feel like the first reading where we hear him saying, the prophet saying that God put his word to be spoken in his body and this prophet was trying to hold on to it and not share it. It was kind of oozing out of him and he finally just had to open his mouth and let it speak. And so uh, the gospel and then my homily is very much uh, the way I make sense of Catholicism Christianity, Jesus, male, female, God's plan, the reason there's stars, you name it. It's all kind of wrapped up today. So I'll try to keep it within the traditional length of St. Basil's, I promise. (laughs) So what we have here is Jesus peacefully, confidently, and might I add joyfully, saying he's going to go to the cross and suffer and die and then rise in three days. Why joyfully? Because he knows he's doing the exact reason the Father sent him into the world. There's something about the cross and the new life of the resurrection that Jesus has been aching to accomplish and reveal. Not for his sake. He's already the Son of God sharing an eternal glory with the Father. But for his bride, the church, Throughout the scriptures, he's called the bridegroom, and he's eager to do this for his bride, the church. So that's one part of the gospel. And then immediately we hear Peter saying, no way am I going to let you, all right, this miracle worker, this mysterious Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, God with us, I'm not going to let someone kill you. No way. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, Peter, zip it. He says, get behind me, Satan. And so what we see right here is there are two opposing plans, two opposing logics, two opposing dispositions. They are at war with one another. The plans of God and Satan's plan to stop this. So before we can really unpack that, we need to zoom out. So follow me for a minute because we're going to go quickly, but we have to get the story if we're going to understand the chapter, right? Otherwise, Romeo and Juliet are just overreacting high school lovers. You need the whole story to see the beauty of Romeo and Juliet. You need the whole story to understand parts of the stories of the gospel. So before there were stars or squirrels or anything else that starts with S, There was God. And God for all of eternity was an eternal exchange of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Giving and receiving love, ecstasy, bliss, joy, goodness, beauty. In fact, all of our words pale in comparison to the divine glory within the Trinity. So for all of time, the Father made himself a gift to the Son, and gave himself to him. For all of eternity, God the Son received the Father and gave himself back as a gift to the Father. And their relationship and love was a third person, the Holy Spirit. And they were so joyful, so happy, so much in ecstasy, that they said, let us create 
so that we can give other people a share in our joy. This begins the book of Genesis. We're going to go through every book of the Bible. We'll be here until 8 p.m. I'm just kidding. All right. We're going to move quickly. But this is the book of Genesis. It begins with God the Trinity saying, let us create so that men and women can share in our joy, our self-giving love. So when you take this invisible divine mystery and translate it into creation, it shows up as Adam and Eve as a married couple. Adam and Eve, before there was sin, they were sharing in God's life. Theologically, we call that grace. So they knew in their bones that they were in the image of God and they lived for each other. Adam knew Eve was entrusted to him and he gave himself to her to care for her and be a gift to her. His whole life wasn't me, myself, I. It was you. And she, conversely, knew she was entrusted with Adam and her whole life was not me, my wants, my plans. It was you. And it says in the Bible, the two became one flesh and it was this communion of self-giving love that helped them understand what God was like and understood the meaning of their existence. We exist to give each other love, to give our life away in self-giving love. Genesis chapter 3, what do you have right away? The devil shows up already. And he realizes that Adam and Eve are going to reveal the divine life through their self-giving love. And he needs to stop that. So no one else can know about who God really is. And says in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is a big old fat book that teaches what the church teaches for 2,000 years. You got any questions, you go to the Catechism. It's going to answer it for you. Right? In there it says, The enemy of human nature caused Adam and Eve to conceive a distorted understanding of God. This distorted understanding led to fear in their hearts, and so they disobeyed God's plan. Right? What happened? Well, instead of being a generous, life-giving father who's giving him whole self to Adam and Eve and all of creation, the devil says, he's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to thrive. He wants to hold you down. And so Adam and Eve became afraid of God And they ate the forbidden fruit. They fell from grace, which means they were no longer sharing in the self-giving love of God. What happens now? Well, cue most of the human history. Man and woman now live not just with each other, but everyone in calculated ways and self-preservation. The number one thing now is to protect our egos, ourselves, our reputations, right? We hear people say now, marriage is 50-50. It's calculated. No longer is about self-gift. It's now about, well, what are you going to give me in exchange? Human relationships have been thwarted with this selfishness that we call original sin. But God did not give up on us because he loved us too much. So through Israel, he raised up prophets to make promises that the ache and longing of your hearts will be satisfied one day. And of all the 
countries and nations. He had this little people of Israel that he kept speaking to and fathering. And the number one image he used, he said, you are like an unfaithful bride constantly sinning, but I as a faithful husband will speak tenderly. I will draw you back to myself and we will be one again. He says this through Isaiah, through Hosea, through Ezekiel, over and over again, letting Israel know, my heart is for you. This God of the Old Testament, of course, becomes enfleshed in Jesus, and he wants to rescue his bride and become one with her. Who is his bride? All of humanity who have said yes to him. And so on the cross, we hear in the gospel today, where is Jesus going? He's going to the cross. Why? So that he can be miserable and beat up and destroyed? No. Because St. Augustine says, on the cross is Jesus' marriage, marriage bed. The cross is Jesus' marriage bed. What could St. Augustine possibly mean? He means it's there where he gives his whole self away. This is my body given up for you. The high point of Jesus' love is on the cross where he holds nothing back. Even when it's going to cost him everything, he says, I will love you, quite literally, in good times and bad, sickness and health. I will love you to hell and back. And so Jesus goes into the grave to grab Adam and Eve and all the members of his bride, the church, so that he could give them new life in the resurrection. Satan wanted to stop this. Jesus knew that. So when Peter said, no way are you going to do that, he said, you're missing it, Peter. You're so worried about self-preservation that you're missing out on the power of divine love flowing through you. This is kind of grandiose, I know, but let me give some practical examples that can help us kind of understand this. My friend gave me permission to tell this story, so I have permission. He called me on a Thursday and he said, hey, Father Ryan, would you pray for me for the weekend? I said, yeah, what's going on? And he's a, a, a pretty well-known Catholic speaker. I said, yeah, what's going on? You got some big talks? He said, no. Uh, my wife said she wants me to stay home all weekend and spend time with her and play with the kids. And I said, so what am I praying for exactly? He goes, I'm hating my wife right now. And I said, well, can you tell me why? Because it sounds like it's a pretty good idea if you're going to be a good husband and dad. He goes, because she's asking me to do something I'm not good at. And so I feel incredibly vulnerable and I feel like I'm going to be exposed as a bad husband and dad and therefore rejected. And so I hate my wife because she's making me feel little and small. I said, well, it's incredibly courageous to name that. I'll pray for you. Talked to him on Monday. He said it was a great weekend. A few times got mad at the kids. Okay, fine. But he said it was overall an amazing weekend. See, his wife was drawing him to the cross where he would give himself as a gift to his wife and kids. He would make of his existence a gift to another. And he knew that he wasn't talented at that. And he knew that it would cost him his sense of confidence and competency. And that at moments he would feel so small and weak and not knowing what to do. 
and he was mad because his wife was drawing this out of him. But as he said yes, he discovered joy. He saw in the gift of his kids that he was in fact a gift to them. And he found the meaning of his existence to be in the image of God, who is God, self-giving love. Here's another example. A good friend of mine, she's single. She lives in Philadelphia. And to be a single woman in your early 30s, I have learned is incredibly painful. The ache to be married and to be a mom is very strong. And a man hadn't come along yet for her. And all of her friends were getting married and she was invited to another wedding. And she just didn't want to go because it was too painful. Just the concrete fact of, here's someone else who got a husband and I don't. And she was really wrestling with the idea of maybe not going. And she finally realized, you know what? If I don't go, I'm making her wedding about me. And she said, I'm going to go because I want to be a gift for her. I want to reveal to her that I, as your friend, am happy for you and I'm there for you. She went It was challenging. It was sad for her. But she could see on several occasions when her and her friend locked eyes that she was in fact giving joy and support to her friend. She found the meaning of her existence in becoming an image of God, self-giving love. What are some other ways we can become gifts? Well, one of the things we're supposed to love or one of the people is God himself. And so a good question is, how generous, how self-giving are we to God in prayer? You know, do we wake up early and spend some alone time with Him, meditating on scriptures? Or do we stay up late? You and I miss sleep all the time. How many times a week do we have a bad night's sleep? Well, maybe just being a little tired because we woke up early to be there for God wouldn't be a bad way to start. About two hours away, there's a parish in Pennsylvania where the pastor asks all the men of the parish to once a week wake up at 3 a.m. and do a holy hour in their home because the devil's stronghold is at 3 a.m., this priest teaches. So he says, I know you're going to be tired, and I know it's hard, but I'm asking you to sacrifice that and make your life a gift to God and pray for our families and our parish. You know what's happening at that parish? They've tripled in size over the last 10 years. Why? Because people have made themselves a gift to God and stayed open to however the Lord wanted to use that gift. Today in the petitions for, the, for Mass, we celebrate two 50th wedding anniversaries. Marriage is the lens by which we understand God. Total self-gift. You give a lot of parts of yourself as mom, as dad, as friend, as child, as brother and sister, but only to your spouse do you give everything. And that is why marriage is the revelation, a little window into the heart of Christ and into the Trinity itself. And so we gather on Sunday to do what? Well, to remember and enter into the story God has been writing with all of humanity. And to recognize the ways that we have listened to the wrong voice. We have participated in self-preservation. To say, Lord, forgive me, heal me, and fill me with your self-giving love so I can have a taste of the ecstasy of the Trinity even on earth. 
And we come forward. This isn't just an idea. We come forward in a little bit and we receive the one who says, this is my body given up for you. We consume him and his power transforms us so that we can love with his divine love our enemies, those who are hard to love, but above all, our homes, our workplaces, nowadays on Zoom or Skype, wherever we need to make ourselves a gift. We don't ask, what do we get? We say, I am here for you. That makes the world Christian. It makes it human. It also reveals the face of our God. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.